Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and animals that are important to you. Folks who have been following this podcast for the last month or so may already be aware that Libsyn, the company I pay to host People Are the Enemy, has more than tripled our podcasting time every month. As such, I've made it my goal to utilize every bit of the time we've been given to give you, the listener, more interviews, more funny bits, more guest podcaster segments, more entertainment overall. Today's show is a perfect example of the style of program that we're now able to accommodate because of the additional time we've been granted. For those who don't know, today we'll be talking with two past guests and friends of the show. John Robinson is a lecturer in digital technologies and the creator of 15people.com, a blog featuring reviews of every album by the musician Momus. Last year, Zero Books collected and published Famous for 15 People, The Songs of Momus, 1982 to 1995, the first of what will hopefully be a series documenting Robinson's thoroughly researched chronological deep dive into Momus's recorded output. Our other guest today is Adam Savage. Adam is a teacher and a musician. He's also the author of the books Overcoming Writer's Block, Tarot for Beginners, Beyond Bitcoin, and The Bacteriologist at Play. Adam is also a YouTuber and a self-described shady internet psychic. If you're new to the People Are the Enemy podcast, let me be the first to say welcome. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on this podcast and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality literature, please consider purchasing one or two of my books. I'm the author of nine novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. If you don't like to use Amazon, you can find all nine of my stories in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, which is M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you prefer paperbacks but you don't want to use Amazon, you can find most of my titles at barnesandnoble.com. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 216 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Thanks for spending time with me. We've got a great show for you. As mentioned, John Robinson and Adam Savage are both joining myself today to discuss Momus's upcoming album, Smudger, which is being released on March 18th, 2022 via American Patchwork and will be distributed by Darla Records. I wanted to start the show by reading a little bit of the description that is provided uh, of Smudger. Smudger, the 2022 album from Momus, has several quite distinct strands of influence. 
from leader to Bowie's lodger, from Benjamin Britten to British musical comedy. Leader reached its zenith with Schubert's song cycle, Die Winterreis. Momus smudges this romantic tradition by opening with a melancholy electronic pop take on Schubert's setting of the poem Gut Nacht, with lyrics newly and freely translated. Quote, the stranger is arriving, a stranger I will leave, end quote. There's another German journey in Bergerreis, a song based on the evocative names of German synthesizers. And the album ends with Hans Eisler's setting of a Brecht poem on the friendliness of the world. Before that, though, there are songs which sound like Joni Mitchell, or revive Herman Melville characters, or sound like Rex Harrison musicals scripted by Marty Feldman. There are constant references to Lodger, David Bowie's most eclectic and eccentric album. Influencer Village, for instance, updates Bowie's DJ to the age of eyeball-hungry social media. As for 19th century British burlesque, there are songs which draw on the music hall routines of comics like Harry Champion and Albert Chevalier, songs which introduce characters, turns like the coffee professor. The Benjamin Britten influence can be heard in Peter Grimes, a murky retelling of the opera of the same name. And there's a Bond-themed pastiche in Supervillain. In the end, though, this is a classic Momus album, full of songs that remind us of his many adventures in culture across four decades. Stop the Body is a post-COVID take on his laid-back 1987 epic, Closer to You, and Totentons recalls his folktronic period. Pesky Blighters even revisits the minimalist system's music of Vivid from 2020. What exactly is Smudger smudging, then? With a joyful, playful smear, the album blurs past and present, self and other, tradition and innovation, mockery and respect, on the smudging finger, though, always the distinctive Momus print. And with that, let's speak now with John Robinson and Adam Savage. Hello, John Robinson and Adam Savage. Are you both able to hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm John Robinson. Excellent. Yeah, hello, Adam Savage. There he is. Listeners, now would be a good time for me to mention that you'll be able to distinguish between our guests as John Robinson is the one with the British accent. Now, uh, John and Adam, I want to start by thanking you both so much for talking with me today about Momus' new album, Smudger. It's been so much fun following Momus' progress recording this album with both of you. Adam, you had the idea back in mid-January when the three of us first started sharing information about Smudger to guess as to when we thought the record would be completed. Adam, you said you said February, February or some say February 2nd. John, you said uh, February 14th, and I said uh, February 9th. I think as it turned out, I, I won that. Is that correct? You, I, uh, yeah, I think it was the 11th or 12th, wasn't it? I mean, I, I think it was his birthday, the 11th, which I'd forgotten about. Very good. I just needed to hear you say I won. <laughs> That's all. Thank you. <laughs> no, that was... Uh, it was... It was by complete luck. I think he tacked on that last song after a few days when we thought the entire thing had wrapped up. Well, yeah, he probably knew that you needed to win, so. <laughs> John, John, you mentioned... He's so considerate. I'm, yeah, he's so considerate. Right, thank you so much. John, you mentioned your cat is named Smudge. 
Um, yes, it is. Now, Momus is, a, is aware of your website. Like, and, and, go ahead, please. I'm assuming he's going to do a series of albums named after my cat. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think your cat's name had any kind of influence on Momus naming his 22 album Smudger? I really doubt it. So I, don't, <laughs> I don't post much cat stuff on Facebook. <laughs> Adam, you you talked about the original idea for Momus's 2022 release being an EP. Now, I, I remember rumblings about this, and it was going to be called Orchestras. Now, and he also kind of floated the idea, If I and correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but I thought he floated the idea of perhaps making it an NFT. Do you guys remember this at all? Uh, I don't remember hearing about the know. NFT. No, I don't remember Serious talk about that. Maybe I'm just starting a rumor. I just remember... Last summer, I remember, though, he, he just, out of nowhere, even though he had already completed Athenian, and usually he limits himself to about one album a year, he just decided to do these three new songs. And then uh, he never had seemed to have plans to release them in any physical way. But then uh, when this, this year came along, he I, I noticed on the playlist, he added he started adding those three songs, and two of them made the cut, but the third one, did not. Yeah, so so the, the initial three that, that we thought maybe appear, or you had thought may perhaps appear as an EP were Orchestras, Bergerice, and the Hydra, correct? Yeah, yeah Hydra was definite. Yeah, and that wouldn't was included on Adam's uh, list initially, because he thought it would be, and I thought it would be added too. I, I like the Hydra a lot. Perhaps we'll see it on a future Momus release, though. If you look at his Wikipedia page, it says, The Synthy EP. Is that right? Yeah. Under singles and EPs after the Thunder Clown in 2011, the next entry is the Synthy EP 2021. And that, that never came out. What it's called Hydra. Well, That's wild. You know, it's funny because I have right behind me, I, I know that Adam's seen this, I have a, a a promo poster for the Little Red Songbook. And in the bottom left-hand corner, it says, uh, coming soon, the Sports Pierrot EP. And I don't think that ever materialized either. I don't think, no, it didn't. Nothing like that. Um, it just went on to, because Piero, uh, that song was written for Mashcat, for, about, for an act called Mashcat, which is himself and another singer, a Japanese singer, which did come out as, I think, a nine-track EP. Okay. LP, um, called Mashroom Haircat, which you can probably find somewhere. I've got a copy of it. <laughs> but, and... Piero was on there, wasn't it? And then he did another version for himself on Oscar, but a, a couple of the songs on there. And yeah, I think on. I think it was like uh, Piero Lunaire, I think that was one. Lunaire was on there. Um, yeah, it was Lovely Tree on there because he did Lovely Tree for. Oh yeah, Lovely Tree. Well, it was on one of. The, it was definitely on one of the O albums. That's true. Yeah. It was on Oscar. Oscar yeah. It was on Oscar. Think, yeah. For, yeah. I think that was on Travels with a Donkey as well. I enjoyed I enjoyed those Oscar album um, the the O albums rather I think uh, I think Auto Spooky was definitely my favorite however of the three I don't know how you guys feel about those <clears throat> for me it's for my memory it's Oscar Tennis Champion mm -hmm. I'm re-listening to it now obviously and I, it meant something to me at the time I don't think I got into the other two as much but we'll see as we go through them really as I revisit them Maybe that's like right. Them are you now? You're up to Folktronic now, John. Is that correct? I'm working on Oscar now. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. Excellent, fellas. I, I speaking of going through, I wanted to go through the songs on Smudger in sequence and get your thoughts on them. And, and again, you can feel free to say whatever you want or nothing at all. 
And I'm going to start off with uh, playing just a little bit of each song. So before we talk about it, rather, I'm going to start with January, which is the first in the sequence. Here's, uh, here's a bit of January. Forgive me, listeners, I'm, I'm fading in and out through a Bluetooth speaker, and you'll hear some hum on the speaker. Uh, please, please know that there is no hum on the actual recording, and uh, I recommend that uh, you, do, you do seek out all these recordings and the entire album. So that was January. I don't know, John, I, Adam may be familiar with this reference. I don't know if this was as popular in, in, in Britain, but uh, it kind of reminded me of Knight Rider a little bit, uh, Adam. Do you recall? Uh, yeah, I guess a little. I can do that. So. <laughs> Knight Rider, as in Knight Rider. Mike, Michael Knight, yes, the talking car. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Oh, I good, mean, you know the reference, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just trying to remember the theme tune. <laughs> it's sort of, I guess the beginning was sort of similar in that, that pulsing um, synth. Yes, it was I mean... kind of like... right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Momus said that uh, this song was in part inspired by the Pet Shop Boys, I think, or he considered it like a more in a Pet Shop Boys vein, anyway. This album is a sort of mix of different styles from his history, which he has said himself. Yes, about. for sure, um, for sure. This is definitely a, a Don't Stop the Night era homage, if you like, a pastiche, or it's, it's, it's definitely Pet Shop Boys we're looking at here. There's also that Benjamin Britten sample, if you recall them. Were either <laughs> from Divinterice? Were either of you guys familiar with Benjamin Britten prior to this? Familiar with no expert on. <laughs> no, <laughs> nor I. No, and, and great deal about no Benjamin Britten comes up a couple times on this album. Um, I think Peter Grimes is a, a Benjamin Britten opera, and I, I'd yeah. never heard of Benjamin Britten, but obviously an influence on Smudger. My, my main remembrance of him, Benjamin Britten, I think you're a young person's guide to the orchestra, which we had to listen to in school, where <laughs> we were introduced to the different instruments of the orchestra. I don't, I don't know. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, we never listened to his operas, for some reason. Adam, you, had you had any uh, any information about Bren Benjamin Britten prior to, to this? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've taken enough like classical music classes, and uh, that, that album you mentioned, John, though, was used in uh, that Wes Anderson movie, I forget the name of it, the one where they're on the island. I don't, I don't remember the name of it. Oh, but, um, I remember they, that. They, that was Benjamin Britten? Yeah, they play a lot of that. They play a good size of that, a good amount of that album in that movie. Yeah, and ah, yeah I know I know exactly what you mean, and I can't remember the name of that movie now. Shame on me. But uh, <laughs> I like how we both forgot the name of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, I do recall. Uh, the next song up was uh, Stop the Body. I'm going to play a little bit of that just to re-familiarize you, you fellows with it. 
It's a little bit of Stop the Body. It, Momus mentioned in, uh, that it's uh, sort of in the same vein as Closer to You. Hmm. That's from his second album. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very similar vibe, sort of um, slow, sensual, half-spoken lyrics. Yeah. Yep. Very, very good. Very good. Should we move on to Disappear? I think we should say that Living in Ecstasy line, Sister Sledge. Yes, I was going to say, that was another thing that he'd mentioned uh, in his um, in his vlog, that uh, the, the, that line, yeah, Living in Ecstasy was taken, lifted from Sister Sledge. That, that whole song, I think, Stop the Body, seems to be about, uh, interpreting, but seems to be about control of our bodies, control of human bodies by ourselves, by the state. And although, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist or anything, you've got a bit towards the end where he talks about biometric police and biological warfare. I think it's very much about you can't stop the body, you can't stop your freedom in the end. Yes, yeah, a lot of it he said is is derived from a you know the the sense of achieving sexual freedom through your body. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. The the next song is one that uh, both John and I had as one of our three faves, and that's uh, "Disappear." I, I should say favorites at the time that we. Uh, <laughs> We recorded our favorites because I don't know about you fellas, but for me, uh, when I, I listen to an album and I enjoy it, uh, listen after listen, the favorites will often change. Do you find do you find that also? Well, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> album, you know, depends what day you ask me what my favorite yeah moment album is. Like uh, my favorite, I don't know, anything. Favorite band. For sure. Things change all the time. I'm going to play a little bit of Disappear so, so the listeners can get a taste of it. It's uh, It almost feels like a sister song in a way to Stop the Body. I don't know if you felt that also, but that they're paired back to back is almost feels like they could be on a single together. Here's mm. Here's Disappear. I like it uh, whenever Momus, Momus gets sexy. I like it. <laughs> do, you, do you fellas, do you fellas mind the saxophone in that song, or is that uh, problematic for you? <laughs> oh, I like it. I mean, he, I like he talked it. about how he fi he finds those samples. I think on YouTube, like I don't know, but um, yeah, he uses saxophone. It's kind of like the accordion. He, he seems to bring it in in a lot of his songs in the last few years, and I, I like it. Yeah. I've said this before that I think I think the saxophone, if used like, you know, sparingly, it can work sometimes, and then sometimes it can be overbearing. I think as a child uh, growing up in the '80s, there was a lot of saxophone in a lot of pop songs, and it got to be a point where it was like, oh dear, this is uh, this has corrupted the entire experience for me. But uh, I like the way it works here, and I like the piano also. This is at least right now, it's one of my favorites from from Smudger. I really enjoy the song. You've got this. Um... <clears throat> I think when he uses the saxophone, he's using a sort of elegant way, along with the synths, uh, like Japan would say, not like um, a horn section. You know, it, it's there to provide part of the atmosphere. I, I agree. Very nice. 
Very nice. What, what do you th what do you make of the, the line? This line that stood out to me every time I heard the song was "gate crashing the walkabout." I like that, but I I I don't know if that's artistic license or if that has a specific meaning. Any feelings, fellas, on uh, uh, gate crashing the walkabout? I, well, I, we, in this, when we're talking about stop the body, I said there's no conspiracy theory. I can't help linking gate crashing the walkabout, which would be an Australian type reference, to they turn away the tennis star. Oh yeah. I wonder if that's about... Uh, um, I assume that's kind of about... In reference to Djokovic? Yeah, Djokovic getting turned away. Wow. They turn away the tennis star, they welcome the unkind. Yes. You know, we're, we're stopping people doing things because of boosters or vaccinations, but not for other reasons. And uh, you wish that you were black, but lives also harmless. You know, it is a kind of comment, again, on freedoms. He's not anti-vax. That's to be clear. Right, yeah, he's made that clear also. Not very clear. Yeah. But, um, I think he's concerned about some losses of movement, ability to move freely and ability to <clears throat> do what we want. You know, and I think that's in here a little bit. But yeah, gatecrashing the walkabout's a beautiful line. Uh, it's just like wandering into someone else's dream somehow. Right on, right on. Adam, any, got, Adam, I know this wasn't... The beginning of that is you asked me what it's like to be a prodigy unknown, which is very personal, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's some, some references, I imagine, to his own career. I hear, like, in this in this song and, and also in later songs, like um, Influencer Village, like, this kind of, you know, the sense of that he has a lot more to say and a lot more interesting things to say than a lot of these influencers who aren't really saying anything. And I, I certainly agree with that, but like, um, you know, he, he does seem to have to like put his voice out there to, to even reach a niche audience like us three who love his work a lot. So it's, um, I don't know, like it's, will he ever be uh, mega popular, like an influencer? I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but that'd be, that'd be wonderful if it did, but it, yeah, it's a, it's tough to reach that kind of an audience. I agree. I think, I think that's, uh, that being, being, too smart can sometimes be alienating, and that's unfortunate. It, this is yeah. one of the reasons why I write the, or started writing the blog and the book that I did, is because of how kind of alienating unintentionally some of these songs are, because they're full of references to, you know, Benjamin Britten, Hegel, <laughs> Hegel, whatever, um, lots of different philosophers and writers and things, and, and someone listening to that could be very overwhelmed by it. For so sure. Part of it is explaining it is a kind of a, 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 well, an idiot's guide to... Do you have that series of books in America? Do we have which books? I'm sorry, John. An, an idiot's guide to. Oh, yeah, for sure. We yeah. have the so, an idiot's guide to books, yes. I, I didn't want to say it and imply you're idiots or something. <laughs> an idiot's guide to. Sort of thing. That's the intention of my, um, my blog, because there's so much in there that's difficult to read. There's another series here. I don't know if you you folks have this uh, in England, but uh, it's called the Thirty Three and a Third books. Are you familiar with those? Thirty Three and a Third. I've seen them advertised. I've seen the in depth explorations of albums. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I've I've never read any myself, but they do take some esoteric albums and uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know they assign an author to them and and basically it's a it's a a deep dive into that album. So, One of the things about Momus, I think he's always been, had his, a very personal vision for each album, and he, he does what he does, and that's always come before really caring about whether it's going to be artistic, not artistically, commercially viable. 
And so he's reaching a large audience, influencing people. I think he'd be quite happy to influence the type of people he does influence. I agree. I agree. I'm sure there's similar-minded individuals. I'm going to play a bit of orchestras now. That was the next up uh, in the sequence. And we'd mentioned it prior as being perhaps uh, the namesake of the EP that never or has yet to materialize. Here's orchestras. like this one I don't, I don't know how you fellas felt about it it was it, it didn't show up on any of our three faves but it's definitely grown on me significantly since i started listening to the album oh it was one of my three favorites actually oh adam i'm sorry i didn't include that there oh, no worries. <laughs> thank you i'm glad yeah, you mentioned it i'm glad one of us got it in there that's a it's a great one for sure did you pick up on the line the autistic incel bedroom boys mm. I thought that was interesting. I didn't know. I I think I'd heard the term incel, but I wasn't. I may have been familiar with it at when it, it first kind of hit the culture, but I, I I'd forgotten. And it, what it means is a man who who considers himself involuntary cel, involuntarily celibate. Yeah. Um, I believe it was. It's quite a. Oh, good. Yeah. So quite a violent movement. Yeah, I think that's what it's associated with. Sort of like angry young men. Yeah. The he other... talked about at one point how he likes to include new terms as they emerge in the culture. So a lot of his titles, but certainly in the lyrics, they're they're always filled with you know new terminology that's cropping up. Yes. Um, yeah. At one point, I, I, I want to ask you guys. Go ahead, please. About the the, op- the opening line, because uh, I was thinking about this, and and I watched the video where he talks about this song, and he doesn't really mention this, but I, I was thinking about. The problematic fave. I was thinking, is this some kind of David Bowie reference? Because, oh, you know, where are you now? Do you remember Momus did a cover of "Where Where Are We Now"? Yeah, that, yes, it uh, did. The day, the day that it came out, it could yeah, very so well thinking, be. What one thing that? I, I, go ahead, please. Sorry, go ahead. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I, I may just be reading what I what I want to read into it, but uh, no, I think that's a fair assessment. I think uh, w- one thing that that was mentioned, and I. I, I, fellas, I hadn't you hadn't heard my intro, but I did read the description that was put on Darla.com for in promotion of this album. And one thing that he mentioned is that the album is heavily influenced by Lodger, um, the David Bowie album. And he said there are references to Lodger throughout the album. And I understand uh, where we now was not on Lodger. Obviously, that was until much much later in his career, but. Uh, yeah, who knows? The 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 other reference I I picked up on, uh, he he mentions a world defeating dildo, and I <laughs> and I'd wondered if that was in some way referenced uh, reference to Beck's Pay No Mind. I don't know if you fellas know that song, but uh, the sails climb high through the garbage pail sky like a giant dildo crushing the sun. <laughs> 
you know, I, maybe. I know it maybe. could just be, you know, any any. You may just have dildos on your mind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it could be. I may just have dildos on my mind. Yeah, it could be, could be. Uh, well, you know that I, I know there was that. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's that whole thing with with Momus writing the uh, the hairstyle of the devil, and then Beck later writing uh, Devil's Haircut and saying he had never heard Momus's song. He says that Momus says he said that. So yeah, maybe who knows? Interesting, maybe. interesting. Maybe Momus is stealing it back. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> the next anyway, step. Uh, it, go it, ahead, it please, John. About Bowie, I like the way it says. Um, you know, he's, he escaped the Great Palaver. He seems to be almost saying he's, he's lucky not to be here today. Interesting. Which is an interesting take on it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Bowie doesn't have a grave because his his ashes were, were scattered over uh, Bali. So. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, the next up was uh, Bartleby. I'm going to play a little bit of Bartleby here. Obviously, Bartleby, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but uh, Bartleby is a character from the Herman Melville short story, Bartleby the Scrivener, a story of Wall Street from 1853. And uh, here Moma seems to relate it to updating terms of service on an app. Or <laughs> Bartleby would say, uh, would say, I prefer not to, to every request that uh, his his seniors would, would give him. I think Momus is kind of uh, similarly saying... Uh, I would prefer not to uh, to update my uh, terms of service. I don't know. What do you fellows think? Absolutely. It's about <laughs> our loss of control of our data and um, our rights and privileges when we sign up to things like Facebook and YouTube at the heart of it. Yeah. And for artists, obviously, things like Spotify as well. Right on. Right I, on. Hear a lot of, I hear a lot of just the general, you know, the corporate agreement of not just corporations, but, you know, being part of a, a government like under you know brexit being part of brexit maybe that you know you're, you have to participate in just by by being a citizen of, of, of the uk you know exactly I like well momus has basically said i'd prefer not to when it comes to being british and being part of the whole brexit right. catastrophe i'm kind of stuck here and i'm not happy with britain you know yeah a lot of people are it's, it's not in a good state <laughs> at the moment <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, can, I, can I just say with go ahead, please. This song that uh, this was this is kind of the first song in the album that initially, um, I don't know, like it has this kind of Soviet sound to it, and it's kind of this like pendulum quality that initially I I didn't care for it, but this is the kind of thing with a Momus song that a lot of times I'll come back to it, I'll read the lyrics, and then slowly it just starts to kind of change, and you start to like it, and it gets caught in your head, and that, now I love it. So it's a uh, that's a very typical Momus effect for me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd similarly with the next song that, that I've, I've queued up here, Supervillain, 
it, 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 I kind of just glazed over it initially. And then as I, it, after listening to the album a few times, lines started to, to stick out to me and I found myself really enjoying it. I'm going to play a little bit of Supervillain now. This was this was one of my three faves. I, I really enjoyed the song a lot. Um, obviously full of James Bond references, and it reminded me of something perhaps from Thunderclown, just in that sim- similar vein. I, I like it when Momus sings about uh, evil geniuses or uh, supervillains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy that. But any thoughts, fellas, on the on supervillain? I, I'm looking oh, at yeah. the lyrics right now, and I I realized that I was hearing him say Banana Republic. But it's banal, non-republic. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. A banal republic. Also... Not republic. Um, that's what he feels Britain is now. <laughs> With the, the supervillains, the the engineers of Brexit, as far as I can make out. I mean, no Aston Martin. Yes. Basically. No mountains. I, I will say he says, "Surrounded your England by Scots and the sea, just Scots and the sea." We're going to be Welsh people unhappy with that. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I, as well. I read into that James Bond also, if only because I think Sean Connery was a Scotsman, right, in the first James oh, Bond. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he may be making a subtle reference to the possibility of Scottish independence, which, you know, is something that can happen. There may well be another referendum about it. Interesting. Okay, uh, we move on now to uh, to Midnight Sun. Here it is. This is another one that's that's grown on me considerably. Uh, Momus describes talking to his deceased father here, and uh, this song I, I think it might have even sampled a Shirley Temple song from 1939 uh, that you can see in the video. I think he splits the screen, if you fellows remember. But uh, how do you feel about these types of songs when Momus pulls out like a jaunty little number like this? Uh, this is a great song. I, this is one of my top three as well, and. Uh... I think this was this one may actually have been improved by you playing it through a speaker, Andy. Oh, really? <laughs> it has such an old, an old, an old timey feel to it. Yeah, <laughs> it just sounds like so perfect, like this 1920s sound. And uh, yeah, I love this song. Yeah, it's a good one, John. Do uh, it's great when he goes to the old music hall. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was, I was, I was hesitant to call it music hall, if only because it was 
so, like I said, sung initially by Shirley Temple, but I, I suppose it, it would be considered musical, right? Yeah. Um, certainly has the, what should we say, the structure, the syntax of that. Yeah. And, it, and you know, my old man's a wag, my old man's a dustman. Yeah. It's a famous song. You know, it's definitely in the musical genre, in the sort of Harry, is it Harry Champion? It talks about a lot. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, and... Oh, this, oh, that's where the reference to an exoparin is that you mentioned. Talks about an actual medicine. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I think this is one that he'd mentioned uh, in talking about the album that he, he'd, he'd said that he was communicating with his father in his dreams, who is deceased, and uh, saying that um, this is necromancy. I don't know if you fellows remember that that part of the, the, the conversation yeah. there. Um, uh, but uh, he'd uh, and he had to look up necromancy the next morning when he woke up to to realize what it meant. It obviously meant communicating with the dead. Uh, the next song up is Friends. Here's a bit of Friends. She covered the keys of my flat, gave my stuff away. I had to go down to the charity shop and buy it all back again. Passport set it on fire, now I can't go anywhere Here I am under a scullery window offering up my prayer Don't do this again to me, don't do this again This was uh, the fun one about uh, having a roommate who uh, was a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either of you fellas ever had a roommate who was a heroin addict? Not actually. You never had somebody st upon your TV? No? No. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's very good. Okay, excellent. Any other thoughts on Friends, fellas? I think it's one of uh, the more straightforward songs on here. Yes, for sure, for sure. Straightforward story, and uh, yeah, watch what your friends are doing. All right, <laughs> all right. Here's a here's the next up. It's Smudge. Poor my poor old Toncha is rugged to smudge, like a battered and blue bush me polio. I once had a block where he was point blank to budge when he'd parked his red bus at my studio. The things I could tell you about that. And this one, uh, this one, as a song, I should say, Adam and I both learned what the term Todger means. Which we did. <laughs> I kind of liked when, when this was the first song on the album because it just, the first sentence is, is talking about his penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not having. We have a much smoother intro with January, but uh, I, I like the song quite a bit. It's, it's should a very, start um, as you mean to go on. <laughs> to start as you mean to go on. He's talking about his penis most yeah. of the time. <laughs> There's also a Hamlet quote in there. Uh, Get thee to a nunnery, he says at one point. This is an accordion-based song. I know uh, we had a, a short discussion uh, on our chat about uh, how we feel about accordion, the accordion in his songs. I, I really enjoyed the album that was called accordion from two what two years back now or maybe it was was it three um how do you feel about the accordion in his songs john i think it's a great sound certainly um it worked very well on vivid it works on accordion it's like everything else it, there's probably some diminishing returns on this but i like this song this I is do, this is me, a i'm more of an electronics person i like the electric stuff for sure for sure. This is another one that, that 
Adam, you mentioned the you wondered who the Zelda may be in the tur- in the line up sailing up abseiling up the walls of his Zelda. I didn't know what abseiling was. It turns out it means repelling, essentially. Oh, yeah, abseiling. Yeah. We've I've only ever heard the term repelling. Did you ever find out who the Zelda was, uh, Adam, or any, have any kind of guess as to who what the the Zelda in this song may be referring to? Uh, I think I think I like the fact that a lot of the, these lyrics are kind of not easily pinned down. That they're, they're they can be read in different ways. Sure. So I don't. It could be the Legend of Zelda. It could be like you said, Zelda Fitzgerald. It could be who knows. I, my idea, I, I thought I was hearing Zelda, which is like a cell, yes. prison cell or something. Yeah. So, you know, like mishearing things. What's the term for that? He, he referred to it. What do they call Mondoggins or something? Do you recall, you do you recall that, John? <laughs> Sorry? There, do you recall that there was a term you, that you, you used? I think I, re- I remember you mentioning this also in our chat that we had going where, um, uh, I guess, words that sound alike and could could also mean the same thing. For instance, when he says abseiling up the walls of his S- Zelda. Zelda, yeah. Yeah, Adam heard Zelda, which would make sense. Oh, yes, yeah. sorry, a Mondegree. Mondegree. That's it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it comes from a specific mishearing of a, of, a, uh, of a church song, and I can't remember who came up with it. But yeah, Mondegree is a misheard lyric. All right. For instance, if you're thinking, if you've listened to... Bohemian Rhapsody, and you think the devil's got a sideboard for you. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I've never heard that, but now I will hear that forevermore. All right. Yes. I'm going to move on to uh, The Coffee Professor. Here we go, gents. I spend each day drinking that of coffee and probably drinking too much. Now I've got the teachers on my walk, I've got to walk, I have to use a medical crutch, you see. My handshake's badly hurt, the man is like, this no one really wants to hear. Everyone who knows me starts to wish I would stop drinking coffee and start drinking beer. For beer. And this is, uh, this is a song inspired by a, a Dudley Moore parody. I don't know if you fellas saw that. Um, and uh, Moma said that it's in relation to capitalism, which I guess was initially... Um, invented in a coffee house, and he moments here wonders if capitalism could also be taken down by the same people in a coffee house. Do you, do you like it when moments does an, uh, an over the top impression like this, John? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I wish to do more of them. <laughs> you know, when we're talking about something as as someone as talented as Dudley Moore, it's not a bad person to be copying. No, for sure. Adam, what do you what do you think about the impression there? Is it uh, reminiscent of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> well, I, I I think more than any, well, a lot of artists like the idea that every song you're kind of taking on the role like an actor rather than just singing. I think Momus really does that. So you really do hear a different voice in almost every song. This is one that that uh, hasn't grown on me the way others have. I'm I'm wondering if it will. However, we'll see. Mm. Uh, I'm going to move on now to to one of uh, John's picks. This is Influencer Village. Obviously, taking on social media vanity there. Again, uh, Adam, to your point, 
uh, Momus always kind of in incorporates the latest and greatest in terms of uh, technology or or uh, modern terminology, and uh, uses the term Bitcoin here. Yeah, this I, I love this song because initially this is a song that I I did not like at all. Like I was the sound of it just, just repelled me, but then I read the lyrics and then I started listening to his his vocal style. There, there's one point where he. He just he makes me laugh out loud when he when he sings the part about on islands off of Africa. He goes, "I'm not going to imitate his, his his vocal style." But you guys, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Remember, it's just, <laughs> it just it just made me laugh every time I hear it. Very good, John. You were drawn to this one initially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you remember the um, moments comes out of a sort of what you might call a post punk sort of era. And with Joseph Kay and, and so on. And here we have a sort of punk song against, or making fun of at least, those people who really need to be influencers and need a million hits whilst sort of acknowledging that he's one of those people himself, <laughs> not to the same extent. Yes. You know? And he's, yeah. he's making fun of the sort of the snake oil of trying to, trying to sell bit palm, palm oil, Bitcoin, sorry. Palm oil and so on. Yes, yes, that's right. Palm oil, Bitcoin, I think is the term. Okay. Yeah, very good. Mm -hmm. and yes. that, and, um, go and ahead, please. There's a, in the quieter section, he sort of goes, I'm sleeping while you go-go. It's like this person sort of says, actually, I'm quite happy <laughs> not doing all this. Um, there's a very much a similarity between the melody of that bit and a Kinks song. Is that right? Would, would you remember which one? Sunny Afternoon. Oh, I didn't pick uh, up on that. Uh, the taxman's taken all my dough. Song that begins like that, and there's a little bit of a similarity to that, which is also about being idle and sitting around doing nothing, which is what that bit of the verse is about. I'm gonna have to re-listen. I think that might be an unintentional thing on his part. I, I think it's just just happens to. But if you listen to "Sunny Afternoon" by the Kinks, very cool, very cool. The, the next song was Totentans, and uh, this was another one of of John's picks. I'm gonna play a bit of it now. tell you i'm a fan of the folktronic phase momus's folktronic phase but uh this one has not grabbed me the way uh the songs on folktronic had uh not not initially anyways but uh i'm hoping well, it does. so this song is about again like the early songs about uh, the way that we're losing sex like that sex is going yes well he's against the puritanism that is creeping in right it's, it's satirical i suppose in that way it's poking fun at our, our chaste culture climate and uh, there's, yeah. a, there's even a line, not much sex in movies now and not much sex in songs. So true. Yeah, and he mentions uh, the story of the eye, which is a Georges Bataille story. He's, he's referenced various times throughout his career. And um, you, you've seen the video with the... Yes, with the dancers. Yeah, which is presumably from some Puritan <laughs> organization, are dancing about. But they seem to be having quite a lot of fun, kind of undermined what he's saying, actually. Unless they were organized to do it. 
but maybe he's always been against Puritanism, possibly as a reaction to his um, the religious upbringing he'd have had in Scotland. And that's what's coming out here. Very good. Okay, uh, I'm going to move on to pesky blighters now. Here we go. Uh, this one this one was tough to watch for me i i do not like insects i <laughs> and the video if you if you fellows remember was, i'm sure you saw it was uh, filled with uh, bugs Not, not one of my favorites. Uh, although he did say, he did say this was, this was reminiscent of the style he used on uh, the twenty twenty album Vivid, which I did like a lot. <coughs> I, I don't heard like this song quite a bit. You like this one? <laughs> I like the song. I don't like insects, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, John? What do you think of Pesky Blighters? How, how does it fare compared to the rest of the album? It's one I don't like. Yeah, I'd need to listen to it a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's not one that's got me. Um, perhaps I'm not quite seeing what he's getting at, but I'm sure we will. We'll see. We'll see. Sure we will. All right. Next up is a Bergreis. I hope I'm saying that properly. Here it is. Bergreis. Auf der Matrix des Oberheim Kirchenglocken in der Norderheim Diese Bergreise I do not speak German, fellas. Do you? Either of you? Well, it's a, it's a mountain journey, isn't it, Berg Rice? Yeah. Well, when, um, I, when I ran... The Matrix, go ahead, John. Please, sorry. Go ahead. From the Matrix of Oberheim? I, I don't know. Is, is it... No, uh, you're right. As far as as far as what I I ran the lyrics through a, a German to English translator just so I could get a sense of what the song was about, and uh, it's <laughs> it's still it's still kind of vague. But I did get yeah a mountain trip, that the the recurring themes to be seem to be a mountain trip, church bells and a lottery a lottery win. Yeah, I don't know if that was a correct translation, but it said Lodenheim was like a, a lottery win or something. I'm sure I'm butchering that pronunciation. Right. I mean, that's when I'd come back to when I when I uh, learn German a bit better. Yeah. Well, like uh, here we uh, hear a little Schubert. Was that the one from from Folktronic that he also sang in German? I I'm right. I've written about that one, but that's fairly um, deliberately poorly translated. He's used Babelfish. Do you remember Babelfish? Yes, I do. So uh, mess about with it, so the lyrics were a bit glitched up. When I when I saw him perform that in Boston, when he when he toured that album, uh, he sang it in English. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, next up is uh, Peter Grimes. Here's Peter Grimes. Great bear in the trees And the Pleiades Turning like a funfair ride Oh, my missing twin Where do I begin? Tell you how I turn inside. 
is another uh, another another piece inspired by uh, Benjamin Britten. Uh, this is based on a Benjamin Britten opera. This is something again I didn't know. I had no idea about Peter Grimes. Did either of you fellas know about Peter Grimes? I would say I knew about it. I've never seen it. What about yourself, Adam? I, I was not, but I, I kind of like that I don't because I feel like the song has enough in it that I can kind of get the general idea. And uh, I think the lyrics in this one are some of the uh, most, I don't know, I don't like the word poignant, poignant but uh, they are very poignant. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's yeah, evidently a very dark opera from what I was reading. It sounds uh, uh, a, a tragedy. Uh, next up was the the one that he tacked on. This was Night Clinic. This was tacked on again a few days after that we thought the album was concluded. Here's here's a bit of Night Clinic. This is the penultimate song on the album. When you pretend you want control In the end you just lose control and I've been down for so long it smells like love in the night. This is this is really, in my opinion, unlike anything else on the album. It's and Momus called it a blues song. Uh, I think and the only line that stood out was the the line we just heard there. Been up so long it smells like down to me, which is, I'm sure, a reference to that Richard Farinha novel, Been Down So Long It Looks Like Up To Me. John, did you have any feelings about this song in particular? It's it's one of those ones that's sort of moving in, in a way I don't want to understand too much. I don't know what the situation is, what the night clinic is. I'd rather, yeah. it feels like, like say, a blues song, like someone who's at the end of the, at the, end of the relationship. Kind of sad in in the video. In the in the video, you see like he's got uh, animated tears streaming down his cheeks. Mm. Down's been down so long; it smells like love, uh, which is a lovely line and very sad. It's just poignant. The last uh, the last song in the album is "Friendly World." It's also the shortest; it's a minute and a half long. I'm going to play a bit of "Friendly World" right now. Windy with winter winds, you can make it as a child begins. You lay freezing, not owning anything, and a woman wrapped you in a nappy. No one's angry, just oblivious. Yeah, I, I thought this one was quite poignant, too. As far as lyrics were concerned, I, I read them a few times, and they're they're beautiful. And it's it's such a short song, but he manages to get birth and uh, and death all all wrapped up in the song, no pun intended, where he mentions being wrapped. And in the, uh, in the video, he's wrapped in a scarf, if you remember. Kind of this animated filter of a scarf kind of wraps around his entire head. Adam, how do you feel about this one? <clears throat> oh, it's good. Um, I think he... Lyrically, he, he does like lines that are, they could be relating just to him, you know, like being like the music industry kind of being oblivious to him, but he sort of like transmits it into something that's more universal that, you know, anyone can relate to, the more kind of existential, just being 
on earth as a human being, you know? I think that's, a, I, I think that's a real talent of, of, of moments especially, but I think any artist that can kind of, you're right, trans, transmit a very, uh, something that's very personal into their own experience, but make it feel universal for sure. For sure. Certainly the first and the last verses are based on a, a Brecht poem. Oh, is that right? Uh, on the friendliness of the world. Yeah, the the last. I've been aware the, of before, but uh, he's he's made something very beautiful out of it. Little. Yeah, the last line I remember really, really loving. Uh, Moma said, "Smudger possibly means I mean the album as a whole, making things more lucid and clear by, at the same time, making them more blurred and vague." Would you Would you agree with this, John? Absolutely. He's mixed a lot of styles from his past together. He's smudged them all together, just as you might smudge. Uh, the paint on a piece of art in order to produce a different effect. Yeah. What do you think about that, John, uh, Adam, the uh, synopsis that, that Momus gives of the album? Do you agree? Making things yeah, more yeah, lucid and I, clear by, at the same time, I, making them more blurred and vague. I, I said that even the title looks like it says Schubert or something, because he seems to like, hardly even care if you read it correctly. Because, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's out there either way. Yeah. And obviously Smudger, Lodger. As time goes on, we'll try and find sort of the analogues of which tracks on Lodger may be represented on Smudger. Where would, where so would, where would you rank... Is, DJ is Influence the Village, for instance. Where would you rank this album amongst the, the moments releases of the last handful of years, John? If you had to slide it in somewhere... It, it takes uh, a while for to get soaked in and to be able to do that, but... Um, Vivid's sure. still best for me, then I would say this one and Athenian are jostling at the moment. Okay, very good. What about yourself, Adam? I think I just can't even like answer that for moments. He's just like an artist that you you kind of just have to know. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like he has a new album, you listen to it, and initially, you, like I probably only liked half of the songs, but slowly other ones started to, you know, feel to me. It's just... I remember he's like you, a great artist that you, you gotta, you just pay attention to. You recently had said that like you were re re um, re examining Athenian and, and finding a lot to love there. Would you say this this is comparable, better or worse, or would you? Is it still is it too early to judge? Are you talking to me or John? Oh, to Adam. Sorry, Adam. Yeah, you you were talking about Athenian and how you were re examining it recently. Oh. um... Well, like a lot of times, I I think with Smudger, I've just been listening to it more more uh, intensely because mm-hmm. uh, we were going to do this podcast. But sure. I think Athenian, I just kind of I listened to it a little, and then uh, there are entire albums, especially between 2012 to 2019, that I've I've barely listened to, and I kind of like that. There's always plenty more moments for me to explore because yeah, I, I kind of take my time with him, and just every now and then I'll I'll do a deep dive into an album and give it a little more listens and I always find more. And so for people that haven't heard Momus, I, I would say, yeah, he has more work, but he's, he's more, uh, more reward. he, it's more re- rewarding. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Similarly, there, there are, there are blank spots, even, even amongst like the last seven or, or eight years of his uh, recorded output that are uh, in my purview. But uh, yeah, I'll speak for myself. I'd say, I'd say I like this a little bit better than Athenian in all honesty. I, I'm not sure if I like it as much as accordion, but maybe it'll grow on me. Accordion is really a standout for me of, of recent years. Uh, anything, anything either of you would like to promote before we call it a wrap? 
John, of course, your book. Uh, is it's there any still, any it still word? Exists. It's still there. It still um, exists. Famous yeah. 15, famous fifteen people. The songs of Momus, nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety five, is available. It's on Amazon. I recommend it. I finished it last month, and I, I really enjoyed it. If you're a Momus aficionado, it's a must. You have to check out John's book. It's wonderful. Uh, and I have a website at 15people.com where I put up the albums since 1995 are being looked at slowly. It takes a long time to write these reviews. They're quite long. And we'll make sure to put links to both of those things where you can get the book and John's website. Adam, and anything to promote? Nah, I have a few YouTube channels, but Go to go to Momus's channel and check out the album and check out John's blog and his book because that's more relevant to this. Right on. Thank you guys both so much for talking with me about this uh, the new Momus album Smudger. And you should uh, and anyone listening who's interested, I hope you like what you heard. You go to Darla.com and pre-order the album, unless of course it's after Mar- uh, March eighteenth, in which case uh, you can you can now get the album anywhere. Uh, next up is Rachel's chart chat with Rachel from Des Moines. Here's Rachel. Hi, this is Rachel in Des Moines, and welcome to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everybody for checking out the first segment last week, especially to Josh for sharing with your Twitter followers and your nice comments. Uh, Thanks to Tony for letting me know that Amos Moses is on the GTA San Andreas soundtrack. And thanks to Jill for your comments. And I want to mention that Jill has her own music project regarding the charts. She's listening to the yearly Hot 100 from 1997 to 2021 and doing write-ups on her Tumblr on Omaha Snakes. So last week, I kind of had to tell you my life story to get this whole thing going, and so I didn't get a chance to talk about the 1980s chart that Sirius played last week. It was from 1981, another transitional year, you could say. You've got a lot of rock, R&B, pop. You've got starting to get some new wave. You've got a little bit of rap in there. You've still got some disco acts, not necessarily doing disco songs, but you've also even got some jazz fusion. There's an Elvis song in the countdown. And of course, you th- you're in the heart of the yacht era, so you've got a lot of yacht rock. You've got some great songs off of soundtracks. And uh, let's get into the, the picks. I'm going to start off with a Christopher Cross song, the third single off his debut album. It's called Never Be the Same. It's a rather upbeat breakup song, but it's still very mopey. So it gives you a chance if you need to feel those feelings for a while. Next is a song called Don't You Know What Love Is by a group called Touch. And I honestly just love this song. It doesn't sound like anything else on the chart. And I kind of just don't want to know anything about them. I want to just have it be mysterious. Their album has this cool cover with a sexy lady playing future chess against a robot hand. Next up is While You See a Chance by Steve Winwood. Just a lesser known song of his I think people should check out. I also wanted to mention... The original version of Fantastic Voyage by Lakeside that was sampled by Coolio for his song of the same name. Next is Lipstick by Susie Quattro. Uh, Don't honestly know a lot about her. I know more of just her name and seeing her name pop up, but I believe she has a documentary out that's about her career. She seems like she could have been another one like at that Pat Benatar level, but it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, Next is Fade Away by Bruce Springsteen from his album The River. I've always liked Bruce Springsteen. I like his songs, but I never was a huge fan. But this song really speaks to me. I really like it, just the lyrics and the sound of the music. Next up is Full of Fire by Shalimar. Before I started listening to Full Charts, I didn't know a lot about Shalimar. I think I just knew their song that's on the Footloose soundtrack. But this one is really great. That lives up to the name, I would say. Uh, After that, I've talked about a song called Somebody's Knockin' by Terry Gibbs. That's one of your country crossover songs. Uh, Next is I Need Your Lovin' by Tina Marie. 
which is off of a different Grand Theft Auto. And th they just really know what they're doing over there. I pick out interesting stuff that maybe more people need to know about. Really, I really like Tina Marie. And finally, from 81, I wanted to mention Ah, Leah by Donnie Iris. And I had always assumed, like most people probably, that it's about a real, a real person inspired this. But if you read the Wikipedia page, like VJ Mark Goodman did on the countdown last week, you can see that it was the just kind of the sound of the words. He was he and his fellow songwriter in the band were experimenting with some chanting and just like the sound of the words, and they kind of had to retrofit it to, oh yeah, we knew Aaliyah, and that. But it, that's that was the story that was given. And of note, uh, Donnie Iris released a Christmas album in 2010 called Ah Leah Luya, which I was delighted and shocked to learn about. So when it comes to December of 2022, I'll have to give that one a, a, a listen. Uh, so moving on to this week, uh, they did a chart from 1979. So we're kind of just only going back a couple years, so in a similar era, but definitely firmly in the disco domination era in 79. Starting off with a song by the group Dr. Hook, who is mostly known for the cover of the Rolling Stone. And I've joked that they have a bunch of other songs and they're all disgusting. And this one is, I think, on the sweet. It's still kind of horny, but it's a little bit on the sweeter side. And I do want to mention Dr. Hook, that they have one of the very few songs about someone being 16 that's not terrible because the character, you know, the, the person that's singing, they are also 16 in the lyrics. So that's that's allowed. That's That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> Next up, I want to talk about a couple songs from Toto. This is I'll Supply the Love off their self-titled album. And Hold the Line is also in this chart, but I think people more know that one. I'll Supply the Love is also very good. Next up, we have Amy Stewart with Knock on Wood. I think this is a pretty well-known song. This is just a personal allowance. that I just love this song so much. Like when I hear it in the car, I just have to crank it up. It's so good. And next is You Make Me Feel, in parentheses, Mighty Real by Sylvester. And this is just an all-time disco classic. And it was on the Pure Disco compilation, but not until Volume 3, which I think is uh, honestly homophobic. He's got a lot of other great songs. Uh, Do You Want a Funk? You might remember from when Maya Rudolph hosted SNL. She sang that in her monologue. Uh, taking a big swerve in a different direction is Crazy Love by Poco which uh, if you look at the album cover, it's got like a scary horse on it. You would never think that this sweet, pretty ballad is, on, is from that album. And I never had any much care for it, but I recently heard it in the HBO series Divorce, and it really made an impression on me. It's a good one. Finally, from 1979 is What You Won't Do For Love by Bobby Caldwell. And he's what people call a blue-eyed soul artist. And it, for many people, if you didn't see him and you just heard his song, you might think that was a black singer. And to the point that on some of his album covers, you don't see him. So it's kind of, you know, maintaining the ruse for better or for worse. Moving on, uh, the 80s chart from this week was from 88. And this is actually an era that I remember. I was listening to Top 40 at the time. So I'm going to try not to make my picks all, oh my God, I remember this song. But there's a little bit of that. First song I want to mention is Billy Idol's Hot in the City. And one thing I learned from Wikipedia is that there's two different versions of this song. There's an 82 original version, and there was kind of like a remix in 87. And when they had this version, different radio stations would have their own city shouted out. So there's a part where he goes, New York, and they change it to be their city. And what caught my eye was that Sioux Falls, South Dakota was one of the cities. So I was like, good for them that they get their own version. 
Uh, next is Electric Blue by Ice House. And that is definitely one. I think if you know somebody that's like 40 plus or minus a couple years, you play this song for them and, and they'll be like, oh my God, I remember that. Just because it's very up-tempo and seems kind of inspiring. Uh, we get an, I have to do another one for my man, Steve Winwood. This is the remix for Valerie on his greatest hits. If you like the original, I think you'll like the remix too. I think this one was actually more popular than the original, but I think they're both good. Next is a track called Catch Me I'm Falling by the group Pretty Poison. And they were in the genre of what's called freestyle music. And that was on the soundtrack of Hiding Out with John Cryer. Next up is The Devil Inside by NXS. And this is, I think people know this one or they might know Need You Tonight a little more. But I think NXS is a group that just doesn't get the respect that they're due. I think they should be on the level of Duran Duran. They just, and probably maybe it's because of Michael Hutchins uh, passing away. They just don't have that same quality or maybe just that Duran Duran had such iconic videos but you know NXS had some good videos too so check out some NXS if you haven't heard them in a while next up is a song called Rock of Life by Rick Springfield and we all know Rick Springfield had huge hits in the early 80s uh, Jesse's Girl was the big one but he had some other success after that and by 87 you know late 87 early 88 it was not he was not quite on the top of where he had been and this song is a very different sound for him. It's kind of like he's trying to almost go for a hair metal sound. And when I heard it, I really thought it sounded like the theme song from Peacemaker. So if you have heard that sh song on the show, listen to this Rock of Life and tell me what you think. Next is, I have to get this one in. It's a vanity pick. It's a Rhythm of Love by Yes off their album Big Generator. This was the follow-up album to 90125 and, Rock and Rhythm of Love was the third single released. And it managed to crack the top 40, but it was just not successful. And I think there had been too much time in between 90125 and they had toured for so long. And when Big Generator finally came out, it just, it was still not, they can't, couldn't quite capitalize. Um, Rhythm of Love has is, is a lot to like on this song. The video is really cheesy. Uh, if you like, it's well made, but it's just a little corny. Check it out. Next up is uh, Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby. He was recording it under the name Terrence Trent Darby. He's listed now on Spotify, and his new name is Sandana Maitreya. Uh, just read this guy's Wikipedia page. It's really interesting. And I've never been a particular fan of Wishing Well, but when I was preparing this list last night, just the song was hitting me. I was like, that's just a really good song. And it was a number one hit, and he had some other good songs too. And just, yeah, check out his, his story. It's interesting. Next up is Pump Up the Volume by M-A-R-R-S. Now, this is another one. There's nothing on the chart sounds like this. It really feels more like you'd think it was a 90s song, but it was released in late 87. And it really kind of paved the way for a lot of that Euro house techno stuff to come out later. Really, really good. Next up is Don't Shed a Tear by Paul Carrick. And if you don't know his name, I feel like you might know his voice. Uh, he sang lead on... Ace is How Long, Tempted by Squeeze, and then three songs by Mike and the Mechanics, including The Living Years. And Don't Shed a Tear was kind of one of his big solo songs. Another one that if, if you're of a certain age, you hear it, it'll just take you right back. And the last song I want to mention is uh, Roger Troutman, known mononymously as Roger. I hope I said that right. Uh, I Want to Be Your Man. And the first time I heard this on a chart, you know, it didn't get super high, but it, it, you know, it made the Hot 100. And it just seems like it would be a really beautiful song to slow dance with somebody at a prom. And it's you wouldn't think a song with that 
talk box effect would be a good slow dance song, but it really is a pretty song, and I think you might like it if you check it out. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Wow. Terrence Trent Darby changed his name to Sananda Matreya? I had no idea! Perhaps what's even more surprising is a million or close to a million of his fans have followed him onto streaming services. He has just under a million monthly listeners. Good for you, Sananda Matreya. Right on. I always learn something new with that segment from our friend Rachel from Des Moines. Thank you so much, Rachel. Love Rachel's chart chat. Listeners, uh, I encourage you to check out the playlist included in the description of this podcast episode as you can listen to all the songs that Rachel mentioned on that playlist that we've linked to. So please, please check that out. I hope you like this week's episode. This has been episode 216 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Adam Savage. Thank you, John Robinson. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.